Hello and welcome to our At Any Rate Emerging Market Focus podcast, the place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the emerging market fixed income asset class. I'm Johnny Golden from the Emerging Market Strategy team here at JP Morgan, and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui, another senior emerging market strategist from the group. Saad, thanks for joining. Hi, good to be here. Johnny, so let's start um, thinking about the price action in EM assets over the past week. We've been seeing a bit of a bounce continue. Uh, how should we be thinking about that? Yeah, so we have seen a couple of weeks now where uh, EM fixed income assets have, have bounced a bit alongside US rates falling and a broad US dollar, which is giving back some of the gains that it's made this year. Uh, there seems a pretty clear technical explanation for this. We have a, a good EMFX risk appetite index, which gave an oversold signal about two weeks ago after what had been a large sell-off. And since then, uh, almost to form EM currencies have bounced as, as they typically do after that. Um, but there is this narrative explanation as well, which gets a little more difficult. Seemingly, the view is that after just 75 basis points of Fed hikes and some financial conditions tightening, the US economy is is rolling over or at risk of rolling over into a recession. And so the market is feeling that, that these hikes that are priced in have to be priced out uh, as a consequence. So it seems like um, you don't really agree with that. Well, our economists think the US economy is actually in better shape than that. Unemployment is at 50 year lows of a developed markets. Inflation, as we know, is the big difference in this period, and it's very high and persistent. So they think the Fed will need to continue to tighten policy with resolve, and that that's eventually what's going to bring the cycle to a close. And if you're that worried about recession, then US rates coming lower is probably not that great a signal for EM currencies uh, and credit spreads. We see export data weakening in Asia, industrial metals prices uh, are coming lower, for example, uh, and, and all of that should probably be a cause for growth worries rather than uh, a relief rally. Um, but we should talk a bit more about the EM rates uh, in that context. And we have seen a few of these retracements lower in yields since this bear market in rates started, let's say, sometime around the start of uh, 2021. And we've seen different reactions from EM local bonds to those moves in US treasuries, for example. What's different about this period as far as you see it, Saad? Yeah, that's right. So no bear market or bull market for that matter is ever in a straight line. Uh, and if we date the start of this bear market in treasury bonds, in US treasury bonds to the start of uh, 2021, we've seen basically uh, four episodes of kind of big retracements in yields, the current one over the past month or so being the, the fourth of those episodes. Now, the first episode took place between March and August 21. That was a pretty slow motion rally. Um, and that was uh, pretty much after the Fed had initially dispelled uh, any notions or expectations of further easing at the start of 2021, and the market overshot a bit. And then because the Fed narrative wasn't moving, Treasury yields were rallying. The second rally in Treasury yields uh, was in late 2021 due to Omicron fears. Uh, and then we had a, a short and sharp rally in February of this year when the Russia and Ukraine conflict erupted. Now, what's interesting is that in all three of these 
episodes when U.S. bonds were rallying, uh, EM yields, so GBI EM yields, were either stable, like they were in the first episode, or they were actually rising quite sharply, um, especially in the February 22 episode, but also they were rising in, uh, in uh, when Omicron uh, hit. So risk aversion really was dominating uh, EM rates markets. What's different about this rally is that EM yields have also been rallying concurrently with treasury yields, and that's not one um, that we have seen um, up until now. Okay, so a, a different reaction, but what do you make of that difference and whether we should be starting to think more bullishly on EM local bonds if things are changing? Sure, so, you know, EM, GBI EM yields have rallied around 30 basis points since the highs um, earlier this month. I think what makes this episode a bit different is that the market, as you alluded to, is asking a, you know, a different question about the fundamental limitations to Fed rate hikes. Um, it's not about you know, flight to safety or risk aversion. It's not about the Fed messaging not changing. It's a fundamental uh, reappraisal. But whether EM rates can really stabilize or rally for a prolonged period depends on, on many factors in addition to what uh, U.S. rates are going to be doing. I think a lot depends on whether inflation can decline swiftly, and we're not really seeing much signs of that. You know, for instance, our economists are still uh, increasing inflation forecasts in key countries. You know, most recently uh, in Brazil, for instance. Um, it also depends on whether um, we can see, um, you know, dollar weakness uh, in a world where the Fed is still ultimately going to be hiking. Um, and also what, the, what we discussed last week, the outlook for capital flows, which now looks um, like you know, that's on, on a downtrend. So given all these factors and the, fa and the fact that on some of these like inflation, we're still getting surprised you know, on, uh, you know, on margin to the upside, uh, growth surprises are to the downside. That mix we know is, and we've talked about many times in this podcast, it's not great for EM assets or EM risk premium. Um, so in short, you know, I think the bar is very high for EM rates to rally or stabilize from here, um, despite what's happening in the, in the US Treasury market. Okay, so the environment, not a positive one, but maybe EM bonds just got very cheap and, and so just can't sell off that much further. How do you think we should try and assess that? No, that's a good question. You know, we should always keep our eye on, on valuations. Um, so in order to evaluate uh, whether yields in EM are compensating investors for the risk that they take, uh, you know, one can model them as a simple function of U.S. yields and inflation, so U.S. real rates, that is, and, uh, and EM inflation. So just these two variables actually explain 80% of changes in EM aggregate uh, bond yields since 2010. And actually, given the current um, set of circumstances for U.S. real yields and uh, EM inflation, which is close to 8% if you weight it according to GBI EM, uh, actually, EM yields uh, on our model are looking something around about 90 basis points um, too low. Um, uh, in addition to that, if you look at just real policy rates to assess where the short end is, 
again, that not only looks low, but it's been actually falling um, in, in recent months. So I think on valuation grounds as well, it's hard to make a compelling case that given everything we know right now, um, EM uh, yields to me do not look very cheap. In fact, look expensive, the opposite is true. Okay, so no reason to adjust the, the medium term EM view on rates, but maybe let's swing back to EM currencies, which can be more technical in the short term, certainly. How do you think we should position around that? Yeah, so we're still underweight in FX as our medium term strategic view. There was a tactical window when, as you mentioned, our EM FX risk appetite went into oversold territory which we were looking at as kind of a short-term trading opportunity, but I think even those trading opportunities now have, um, you know, have basically passed. Got it. So let's switch gears then, and let's talk a bit about frontier emerging markets, which we have spent quite a lot of time and focus on in, in recent publications as well. And we discussed something last week for EM more broadly about inflows, which had been coming into emerging markets uh, over recent years. What about frontier markets? When we do the same kind of analysis for, for them, have they also seen reasonable inflows that, that have come in recently? Yeah, that's right. So although the flow cycles are different for frontier markets than the more mainstream liquid emerging markets, frontier markets also saw uh, a significant surge of capital flows uh, post the COVID shock. Um, in fact, on a four-quarter rolling basis, if you add up the, the gross inflows of FDI and portfolio flows, um, there were about you know, 18 billion in, in, in the first quarter of, of 21, which was actually quite close to the previous peaks that we'd seen in, in the middle of 2013, just before taper tantrum or, or in early 2018. So 18 billion might not sound like you know, uh, a lot, but actually for these frontier markets, which, you know, have, um, you know, smaller GDPs, it, it was actually quite a significant inflow. Um, if you take countries like Zambia, Serbia, Egypt, and Uzbekistan, for them, it was more than 10% uh, of their respective uh, GDPs. Now, the data in frontier markets tends to come with a bit more of a lag, uh, and it's not as timely as for, for other markets. But year to date, we have been seeing outflows picking up. You know, if you take Egypt as one example, that experienced maybe $20 billion or so of foreign investor uh, portfolio outflows, uh, according to officials. Um, but Johnny, I think you know, if we stay with frontier markets, um, you know, be beyond just where the capital flows um, are going, there is also a mo much more fundamental question about, um, you know, stress in, in, in for public debt and questions of repayment risk. That's something which our team has been working on recently and looked at it. So how concerned should we be about it? Yeah, so our analysis of, of those EM sovereign external repayment risks, which is a theme that we've updated on, uh, you know, fairly regularly since the end of the last cycle, points likely to a series of defaults ahead. Um, but on the current metrics, these look like they're going to be concentrated in smaller countries, uh, in emerging markets, which, you know, many of them have already priced this. So I, I think we, we, we'd see it 
as we stand here, maybe for this year, uh, it's it's unlikely to be systemic in terms of those defaults for the asset class. I think as we get later on in the cycle and growth concerns lead to potentially fall in energy and metals prices, uh, I think that that can broaden those uh, concerns from, from what we're likely to see in the near term. Okay, and um, finally, staying with the theme of repayment risk, um, but this time focused on Russia, we've had some some updates, some news over the over the past week. So maybe you can give us a, a brief non-technical update on that. Yeah, so it has all become quite technical, but in short, the uh, US has allowed to expire something called General License 9C, uh, which expired on the 25th of May. And the long and short is that that now leaves restrictions on the ability of bond payments from Russia uh, in dollars to be processed. Um, so eventual non-payment looks like it's it's much more likely now, uh, although there are lots of technical questions about both bonds and, and uh, other derivatives which are being looked at at the moment. And there is also the, the potential for other surprises uh, in this process, which we have seen so far um, in, as those, those payments have, have needed to be made and various restrictions have been in place. So that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan at any rate Emerging Markets Focus podcast. Thanks to you, Saad, for joining today and thank you all for listening and we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research reports related to its contact for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 26th of May, 2022.